Gold and silver don't want to break out, but they don't want to break down. Copper paused as we told you it would. Uranium and the equities paused as we told you they would for a whopping three days. Major U.S. indices, you know what they're doing. A lot to talk about on the Bizarro discussion side. Bill Gates divorced after 27 years. It was interesting to me to hear the reason why from Mrs. Gates. We'll talk Texas, Florida voting laws. We'll talk about cancel culture. The Kentucky Derby winner, Nick, is getting canceled. Liz Cheney's getting canceled. Everybody's getting canceled, Nick. I am Gerardo Del Real along with my co-host, Mr. Nick Hodge. This is episode 117 of Bizarro World. Welcome everyone to our weekly therapy session, Mr. Hodge. How are you? How was Mother's Day? How was your wife's birthday? How is life, sir? I'm doing great, Gerardo. Masks are also getting canceled, and I'm sure we'll talk about it. We had a wonderful Mother's Day weekend. I hope the same for uh, your wife and uh, mother, and uh, happy to talk about the markets. We had a little bit of a, a sell-off uh, for a couple of days in the in the in the broader indices, and uh, everybody gets scared. And it's been fun to watch, and so I'm ready to jump into it. I love that you love the chaos. Um, I'm so so relieved that the CDC has granted me permission to hug my wife after over a year of not hugging her. Right? Um, it's incredible. It was amazing. Um, we took our mask off, we rubbed noses, and uh, you know, it's um, we're free, right? Freedom! The CDC is freedoms. We'll talk about that here in a little bit. Um, but yeah, no, let's get into it. Look, let's start with the overall indices. We had a sell-off one day, followed by what looked like another day of potentially uh, down action, and then what happened, right? Everything came back up, and here we are. Ending the week on a pretty positive note. Um, I mentioned you loving the chaos. You want to talk about it a bit? You warned everyone. You told everybody at, at all of your paid services that this was coming, right? I mean, yeah, told them to take advantage of it as, as well on the uh, way down and, and put out a video on like in the teeth the day where the Dow went down like oh, six, seven hundred points and then it closed a little bit down less than that. But um, yeah, it was sort of uh, easy to see because the oil stocks and the and the commodity names they they stayed inflated. The the VIX wasn't going into the uh, thirty plus range that you and I have talked about yep. in, in in past episodes, and so it was just sort of a uh, another blip. And um, there were some buying opportunities to uh, be had if you uh, are willing to to get in there and do it. Agreed. And look, I mean, the S&P jumped another one and a half percent today on Friday when we record. Um, NASDAQ bounced back. The Dow bounced back. It was clearly a buying opportunity, which is actually going to bring me um, to cryptocurrencies, right? Let, let, let's talk Bitcoin. Elon went on Saturday Night Live, as we told you he would, the Doge father. And um, <laughs> it sold off. Um and Elon lost $25 billion of his net worth. I'm not too worried about him. I think he's going to be all right. But I bring all that up to say, if Elon Musk going on Saturday Night Live and not pumping enough is reason enough for Dogecoin to drop the way it did, 
that should tell you everything you need to know about Dogecoin. Now, Bitcoin, Ethereum, you know, this, some of the other cryptocurrencies, there's real merit there. There's real technology behind them, real world applications that you can clearly see value in. What that value is, I am not smart enough to tell you. However, there's scarcity there and, and hence value. But Dogecoin is back up 47% today, Nick. It's, I mean, I, I, I don't know what to say. I wrote about it earlier this week. I said, look, eventually the music turns off, the lights go off, uh, the clowns wipe the makeup off their faces and everybody puts everything away and the music stops and that's it, right? Game over. But I don't know when that's going to be. That might be in 2030. That might be in 2025. That might be next week. I don't know. I mean, we just had a... Um, we, we just had a group out of Europe, allegedly Eastern Europe, have a very good week, right? The ransomware attack forced a pipeline shut down that had the finest and brightest amongst us humans putting gasoline in, in garbage bags and all <laughs> <laughs> it looked like toilet paper, um, but the gasoline version, right? And and, and so that that they, they forced the shutdown of a pipeline and the company actually paid up the $5 million. I say that to say, if that can happen to a pipeline infrastructure of a company that you would think is guarding this stuff, Colonial Pipeline, then why can't it happen to something like a Dogecoin or, you know, I, again, I'm not smart enough to answer that question, but I'd love to hear your thoughts on that. I mean, the question is, why can't it happen to anything in the financial system, mm. including ATMs or uh, all the ones and zeros that make up the assets that are in your account, right? I mean, none of that is held in in hard dollars, right? I mean, it's all a string of ones and zeros. And so all those things are susceptible uh, to it. It's become a, a growing problem. And increasingly, states and municipalities are, are being held uh, ransom. I know Baltimore was held ransom uh, <laughs> not too long ago, right? And I believe we might have mentioned it on this podcast. And we so did. it's been a... A growing theme. I, I'm not, you know, smart enough to understand it that the, uh, you know, the file level or the the character level. I've been seeing some deals uh, that speak to that, but the fact of the matter is that our life is technology based, from the uh, smartphones to the GPS to the banking system to military and defense, etc. And so, if you can uh, hack, uh, take down. Uh, distort through virtual reality or deep fake or otherwise, um, you know, uh, mess with the satellite or, or something that controls it. I mean, that's sort of like um, the warfare of the future. And again, uh, way above my pay grade. And I know this stuff goes all the time between uh, Eastern European states, Russia, China, uh, etc. And so these are just uh, the ones we hear about, I think, are the ones that are major and, and unavoidable. And, and even this one was sort of uh, not explained very clearly. I think they shut down the pipeline because of um, the way the attack impacted their business operations and systems, not necessarily because the hack shut down the pipeline itself. Um, and so a lot of details that I'm sure we'll learn in, in coming weeks. But um, suffice it to say that um, a very fickle imbalance between uh, you know, just in time supply for the things we rely on. And we've seen that throughout this uh, coronavirus and uh, the shutting down of the, remember we had a stuck ship, Gerardo, that was all the rage mm. a couple of weeks ago <laughs> and everybody was worried about getting whatever was on those cargo containers. And so um, 
it's something to keep in mind and, and something to be uh, prepared for and something, frankly, to, to educate yourself more about as the world becomes increasingly uh, more online. And as at least for me, I have <laughs> kids starting to navigate that world more and more. This one, this particular cyber attack was interesting because of the infrastructure component, because of the fact that, again, you had the brightest and finest amongst us uh, out there putting gasoline in garbage cans and hoping to resell it. <laughs> but they, they, they did lock the system up. Um, they froze the computer system um, until the company was forced to pay a $5 million ransom, which surprising to me, it did. And, you know, it, it was <laughs> it was demanded in Bitcoin. And and so of course you know I, I not I, Dogecoin not Dogecoin. Dogecoin they didn't want the Doge I told you I always tell you they always request them the good stuff <laughs> so you know I found it really funny and in in a, in a perverse kind of way right because this wasn't a funny situation um, but I do find it a bit funny that this group um, that calls itself Dark Side said that it was pretty much retiring, you know, they'll take their five million and, and, and go play. Uh, they said they're shutting down their network and uh, they'll be good for, you know, a little bit. Seems like they underbid themselves. Exactly. Exactly. That was my next point. You beat me to it. Um, let's talk gold. Gold, you know, we we talked last week. I, I frankly, you know, we're, we're here. It's, it's it close today at 1843. We talked last week. I said I wasn't convinced that it was ready to break out. Um, I'm starting to be more convinced that it's either breaking out or breaking down. I think the sideways range and trading action that we've seen of late, and by of late, I mean the last several months, um, is, is coming to an end soon. And so the 10-year, 163, closed you know, pretty much flat for the week, had a spike up, had a spike down. A part of that was because of the CPI numbers. Um, where again, economists completely, completely, completely got that one wrong, right? It came in twice as hot as they anticipated and estimated. And this doesn't even include, again, food or gas or trade services, any of the real things that you need in real life um, to make the world work and function. And so if the CPI number is coming in 100% hotter than the brightest economists amongst us predict, and it doesn't even include energy, trade services, or food, that should tell you a bit about the inflation that's already here. And you've been saying it for over a year. We started with the crab cakes. We've talked about lumber. We've talked about iron ore. We've talked about everything. Um, I don't know where the debate about inflation is still why there's still a debate and, and, and where the debate around inflation goes amongst the smartest academics, because it's clear to me that it's been here for a very, very long time in a very consequential way. Well, you end up mind fucking yourself. And so, um, you know, when you think about it too hard, you can think about yourself in circles about nearly uh, anything, you know, different levels of thought, uh, et cetera. And so um, <laughs> the harder the, the thinking, the, the, the harder exactly, the mind fuck. <laughs> exactly right. And so like the, you know, keep it simple, stupid, right? I mean, yep. just look at what's going on. And then the inflation is clearly uh, manifesting around you in, in nearly every form. The only thing I didn't hear you mention was the minimum wage. And so um it's here and you know the intellectual argument or the economist argument would be you know ultimately will lead to a, a deflationary period because capitalism and technology per downward 
downward pressure on uh, price through competition, et cetera, and tech is making things uh, easier. And then you get a case for like a UBI because so many people won't have jobs, but everything will be cheaper. So a UBI will cover it. And it's like, yeah, but how am I making money today, man? And so just like the inflation is here. If you look at the prices, like what's going on now um, and it's coming to gold, right? It was um, I don't want to say it was only a matter of time because it remains to be seen what's going to happen with uh, rates, which are still going up. And so, you know, what I would come back to is the thing that you've said for a while is, you know, the true bull market is when the uh, things are going up uh, together, together. Right. And I don't know if that's uh, where we're at or not. I mean, I can look at a chart the same as you can and, and see the sideways action for the past three months, see that the trend is starting to be uh, up at least for the past month or two. And um I guess I can see from a, a publishing standpoint, retail interest coming back into the in the space a bit. And that's a function of the price being back over a nice round number of 1800 and some of these companies starting to report good earnings, which we talked about uh, last week. And so, you know, that's all I can say. I don't have a crystal ball. But uh, what did I say last week? I certainly didn't sell all my gold stocks. And um, there's ones that are still certainly buys here. Absolutely. Um, <laughs> you did sell a gold stock. Uh you want to talk about it? Every, I mean, people were calling me today. You know, I don't have that many <laughs> subscribers because we just we just launched this new publishing company and haven't even done a promo for that service. But I guess uh, people read. And so, you know, I, I sold Ethos Gold in a letter only because um, it's a very long story that involves me having a bad week. and Maybe I shouldn't bring emotions into it. But... Uh, you know, the and I, I publicly mentioned before the, the amount of financings they've done, et cetera. And so uh, Ethos Gold is the company I sold in the letter down five cents from from where we bought in or four cents or something like that after a, a year. Right. And, um, you know, I totally understand what's going on with Ethos. I understand the, the property package. I understand the uh, geologists involved, the, the pedigree of uh Uh, the group behind it and um, all the catalysts that are coming up uh, in the form of of drilling, et cetera. But all that took a very long time to uh, materialize and a lot of financings uh, along the way. And, you know, for me, it's um, one of those things where, you know, you can only take so much and then it's time to just take the mandate off and walk away because you can't be tied to these things uh, so deeply that you're, committed to them forever and will just stick through at least what I deem to be unnecessarily unnecessary and in prolonged dilution. Agreed. And so I, I, I didn't sell ethos. I, I, I very much like ethos. I think ethos is going to have a phenomenal second half of the year. Do you hate me, Nick? No, I don't. <laughs> I don't hate you either for selling it. <laughs> you see everybody, Thanks. how somebody could think something different other than your opinion. You don't have to hate the other person. <laughs> You can even talk with them and have a therapy session together. Imagine that. <laughs> <laughs> Copper pulled back a little bit. Copper closed at 464 a pound. A robust and healthy. I should have had 464 a pound. I think it's healthy. Um, thoughts, Nick? I think that uh, things get to all-time record highs and trees don't grow to the sky and uh, you get pullbacks. And so I think this. A place where it's a uh, healthy to to add on, on pullbacks. We were talking about uranium and looking for pullbacks last week, and uh, copper is another one that is not going away. The stimulus is and the stimuli are still going to play out, and um, there's a lot of uh, roads 
bridges and broadband that's that's yet to come. And I don't think that um, the price was high enough, long enough to incentivize the sort of uh, new supply to come online that's going to be needed yet. And so I think you have a bit to go um, in this cycle, especially if it's a, a, a new uh, commodity super cycle, right? And so um, lots of uh, copper names to, to look at and sift through. Absolutely agree. Um, copper is going much higher, everyone. We've talked about, uh, you know, the, the the supply disruptions in the past. I know Chile, which is obviously a major producer of copper globally, is 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 going through some issues there with threats of, of shutdowns and a lot there to get into that we won't get into this week. We'll save that for next week. But it's, uh, look, even if everything is resolved in Chile and even if everything is resolved in Peru in, in, in a way that's, you know, reasonable moving forward, uh, you're still looking at higher copper prices, everyone. And so a lot, a lot, a lot of runway there. And and the same for uranium. Look, you you mentioned in your paid service this week that you're watching for entry points like a hawk. And I will say this, this uranium bull market took a long time to get here. Um but it is a stubborn bull market because the pullbacks we're getting are lasting a day and a half or two tops. And they're not true corrections either. They're not. They're, yeah, they're pullbacks, yeah. And so I say that to say, I don't know. You know, we, we in, in one of my paid letters, we have great uranium exposure, frankly, because I sat and did nothing for several years. Happy with the names, knew they would survive, knew they were quality companies. Buy them if you want to. Um, don't buy them if you don't. They're, they'll be higher sooner or later. I'm perfectly comfortable uh, waiting things out, especially when it's a bear market and especially when the fundamentals agree with me. Um, and, and, and you know, uh, people that stuck it out and bought have been rewarded for that. But as I look at new names, and I have a lot of them um, relative to, to, to uh, other sectors that I'm watching, I have a lot of companies in the uranium space that I really, really like. But I just can't justify some of these entry points after this run. And so I'm comfortable with the uranium exposure that we have. There's two or three companies that are really attractive to me, just not at current valuations. Are you are you bumping into the same problem with the uranium names? Oh, yeah, it's the exact it's the exact same problem I have in the in the uranium space, because it's only a couple of names, like you say, and once you have like a a UEC and an energy fuels in your portfolio and you have a quality explorer or two, it's like, well, where do you go to uh, from here? And then you look at some of like the um, producers or some of those that are uh, capable to produce near term, like Denison and uh, like UR Energy. And sorry, I'm just going to vomit a lot of names, but this is like the cycle of the thought process I go to. And I'm like, man, like those not necessarily the value, the, the valuations relative, but just the valuations um, in absolute terms, several hundred million dollars already when I can turn to a, a, a smaller company. Um, like Azarga, let's puke another name. You get all the freebies this week, everyone. Yeah, yeah or even some like, um, well... I don't want to give them because I want to recommend them. And so I don't tell them. For them. Don't tell them. Right. <laughs> right. And so, you know, uh, I start to look at those smaller ones and, and some of them have run and then you got to really go down into it. All right. So uh, let's look at the smaller ones. Let's not just look at how much they run, but let's see what the market cap is now. And let's see, okay, what does that market cap buy me? Does that market, what does that market cap buy me in terms of uh, projects that that company owns? 
um, or has partnered out? And where are those uh, catalysts in the in the near term? And 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 how many of those uh, projects are there? Right. I mean, it's really getting into sort of tit for tat with these companies on on you know where the projects are not only jurisdictionally but but in their life cycle and um uh, really teetotaling uh how advanced they are because anyway though you know i'm trying to find ones that have maybe some pounds in the ground that aren't pure exploration where you're um have can tie some value to those pounds in the ground that have a resource on them but have some uh obviously upside from either exploring them themselves or 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 partnering them out and so uh that's sort of the the thought process I'm using right now. Well said. We we touched on infrastructure there a bit early in this conversation, and you know next week is going to be I think an important week to 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 see where that ends up. You know the bottom line is President Biden has been pretty centrist. I mean the proposals are big, right? You talk 1.8 trillion, and we talk free community college for two years, and we talk you know, free uh, funding of universal pre-K, which frankly, the community college component and the free universal pre-K for two years isn't something I'm opposed to as opposed to some of the pork that is going to end up in the first version of the bill. But I do mention that this next week is important for the infrastructure package because it's expected that Republicans will submit a counter proposal that President Biden seems receptive to. He's he's said as much. He's said that he's he's receptive to a step one that meets Republicans halfway, and then step two, um, that second piece would be would be passed along party lines, right, without Republican support. And that's the part where, of course, he'll get hammered for continuing to add to the deficit, though he says it's deficit neutral. All politicians say it's deficit neutral until it's not. But yeah, let, let, let's see where it ends. Uh, the counter proposal initially from Republicans came in just above 500 billion. Um, 2.3 trillion is what Democrats started with. It, it, it then morphed into 1.8 trillion. And now we're talking about a two-step dance instead of just one. So Interesting. I'm curious. I'm curious to see where the corporate income tax rate, which we talked about last week a bit, ends up. Uh, You and I, of course, co-own several businesses together. And so that's consequential for us. Uh, But so is the budget, right? I mean, look, China wants to dominate. China wants a seat at the reserve currency table. And China is playing the long game. And And we said this years ago by buying up you know, treasuries and, and, and it's not a weapon now, but it can be, it can be, those holdings can be weaponized, um, at an opportune and advantageous time as the U S continues down the path of counterfeiting its currency and putting itself in a situation where it's not sustainable to repay the debt. And so, you know, that's maybe seven, eight, nine, ten 10 years off, but it's stuff that we should be looking at now. And so that's, that's, that's word salad for, yeah, pass a bill that builds roads and increases uh, broadband and, and, and does commonsensical thing. But I really hope they don't do what I think they're going to do on both sides, which is add a bunch of pork to it, right? Well, I like to eat pork, but you know, I don't <laughs> like the, the, the pork spending and... Yeah, I, what was I going to say? I mean, you know, I didn't, I'm not paying close attention uh, to the, to the nuances of breaking it down. Like, uh, 
you are. But what I would say is some of those things that you were uh, mentioning, the the pre-K and the and the college uh, might go uh, some way into uh, helping combat the the threat of the China and Chinese that is developing over the next 10 years. And I'll parlay that into Terrarists, for example. I think, Mm. I don't know if you saw the article this week that was forwarded to us, but one article that that we got was about rare earths and how it's one thing to, you know, say you want to process them in the U.S. and to, you know, restart uh, mines in the U.S. and to approve new ones. But, um, you know, it's a really, really specific process for, um <laughs> extracting the the rare earths from from war and refining them into the usable magnets uh powders etc that are needed for for these high-tech applications and so not only is it an investment that's needed in in the mines themselves but an investment that's needed to uh educate and and, and train people to to do those things right absolutely and Frankly, that opens up another policy discussion, right? The uh, the the, pre- the the prior administration had a policy of not wanting the best and the brightest from other countries. There was, you know, a, a ban on on student visas, and you know that applied to university students, and and it, it wasn't just COVID related. This was a, a straight across ban, and so it's 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 good to see this administration pivoting on that. Because look, nobody wants anybody from anywhere, including American citizens, that rape or kill or abuse or any of that stuff, right? Um, there's laws to deal with that and and laws to deal with those people. But me as an American, as a citizen, I absolutely want to be in an environment as a country where we encourage the best and the brightest and the hardest working to come here and lend their talents and 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 acclimate the way generations and generations of immigrants and people have throughout history. I think it's what's made this country so great. I'm encouraged to see a pivot towards that again. I hope it lasts. We'll see. But um, yeah, a, a lot there on the rare earth angle, Nick. I mean, look, for those not familiar, it's not just you know, Teslas that rare earth magnets go into, right? It's missiles, it's satellites, it's uh, wind turbines, you name it. There's national security implications. At some point, we have to be serious about a mid to long-term solution to the critical metals. And you said it beautifully, not just supply shortage, not just, you know, a mine shortage, but IP shortage, because we're going to end up with a generation of engineers that are ill-equipped to compete with what China has been setting up for decades on end. And kudos to them, because that's what you're supposed to do, is you're supposed to try to win, right? I don't ever play a game or buy a stock to lose. I'm playing to win. And so can't knock them for it, but I do uh, I, I do want to see us compete. Yeah, and, and diverse sources of knowledge from diverse geographic and uh, ethno ethnographic backgrounds is is what fosters that, of course. Absolutely. Um, you know, my brain is 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 is, is, is spazzy, Nick. It, it goes everywhere. Um, you mentioned the fact that maybe pre K would help. You know, universal pre K and two years of free community college may help um, lessen. The, the, the gap there in, 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 in IP and talent and, and everything that's necessary. 
Do you think it'll help possibly with the wealth inequality gap? I know that you and I spoke off air last week and we'll talk about it now, if you don't mind, um, a fundraiser, a personal story on your end of it, right? And where it was just really, really clear, apparently I wasn't there, you were, I'll let you tell the story, but it was clear that there was one section of have a lot and another section of I don't have it, right? And so- what are your thoughts on universal pre-K? What are your thoughts on, you know, free community college for two years? Is that something that seems socialist to you? Is that something that seems so bizarre that it's just a non-starter just for you personally as a taxpayer, as a significant uh, taxpayer? You, you put me on the spot. I mean, yeah. you know, as a libertarian, <laughs> I warm up to the to the to the universal basic income uh, idea. And in, in some respects, you can uh, apply that to the the pre-K and the college as, as universal basic income. I, you know, I like the idea of obviously solving it on the front end rather than paying for it on the back end, you know, and that's what I mean by that is, you know, we're talking about writing off all this uh, student loan debt um, anyway. So um, it, it, I'd rather do it right from the start and, and not have to, you know, reverse engineer it in that way. I, I guess what I would say is that I'd want the programs to, um, obviously do the best to uh, foster things that were going to help people get jobs and train for things that are, you know, needed for the economy and, and, the, and the challenge we face now. And, you know, I sound like a politician in that respect, but, um, you know, uh, I would just want some, some checks and balances for it. I saw a study, it was actually one of the first long-term studies um, that tracked kids who who were offered free uh, pre-K in, in Boston, I think it was. And there was such high demand for the program that it was done by a lottery. So um, it was pure random chance whether or not you got to go to the, fr the uh, free pre-K. And the kids are now entering their, their college years. The study's not done, but it, you can imagine it's been, whatever, 12, 13 years. Some of these kids are now going into college. And... Um, as you'd expect, or maybe as you, you wouldn't expect, because there's, you know, debating circles on whether universal pre-K has benefits later in life. This study is showing that it does, not just for, uh, you know, education. They didn't necessarily test higher, but what they did do was um, get into trouble less and, and go to college more. And so we know that going to college more leads to the less debt and things over uh, life cycle. That, that one's not debatable. And so anyway, I'm giving you a long answer, but you know, I think pre-K is obviously uh, beneficial, which is why we're paying to send, and this is where you were getting to, we're paying mm -hmm. to send our daughter to uh, pre-K. So she's prepared and they had, it's a private school, a Catholic and, school. And, and not they, cheap. I'm, I'm not going to ask you how much, but I mean, even, you know, and sorry to interrupt, but just, you know, quick little side note, you know, my, my, my niece, when she was uh, three and a half, four years old, went to a daycare. We're not talking pre-K, just a daycare. It's like thirteen, fourteen hundred a month. Daycare is is absolutely no joke, and there's even a waiting list at the uh, daycare from us. That's not like uh, an accredited uh, pre preschool or anything, but they do do some teaching, and, and there's a wait list even there. But um, my daughter, which is the fundraiser you're talking about, goes to a private school for for pre-K, you know, it's, it's pre-K through, they actually have three-year-old pre-K, which you didn't go to, but anyway, hmm. three-year-old pre-K all the way through uh, eighth grade private school. And they had a fundraiser and, you know, I didn't go to uh, a private school, certainly not elementary school, <laughs> middle school or high school, not, not until college. And so, 
uh, and I paid for it myself. But anyway, um, you know, it's a fundraiser for for Catholic school, and and obviously the families are there, all sorts of families, um, because there's tuition assistance as well, right? And so you got the doctors and the lawyers and the business owners, and and not the doctors and the owners and the business uh, doctors, lawyers, and business owners. And anyway, so the money that was raised to me in one night was crazy because it was in the six figures, right? You, you know. It, all the parents who were in their respective classrooms with their kids. Uh, you bought your wine and and catered dinner, and then there was a uh, there was a paddle raise, which is um, you just give them money. Basically, they ask for money and uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> you, you donate. And so some people are at home because we're still in COVID, and so they're streaming it on YouTube. And they have some you know local TV anchor that's that's the MC of the thing, and he's asking for money. He's like the Barker or whatever. And yeah, you can just like see the donations scrolling in on the screen. And I think they made like. Um, Seventy-five or eighty-five thousand dollars, like just doing that, like just asking for money, and you can see the totals pop up. So you see like the twenty-five, fifty dollars, but then you'll see like the five and five thousand bangers, right? Just like the numbers like floating on the screen. So that that was just for the paddle raise, and then they had the silent auction, and I mean items just going for exorbitant amounts, right? I mean. Uh, and I was bidding on some of them. I ended up having a little bit of fun, but like, you know, like a weekend at a ski resort going for like 4,500 bucks. Right. I mean, just people were pressing the button for sure. And then, um, and the guy's barking the whole time on the screen, it, it ended up being fun, but it just occurred to me that, you know, it, these people can raise six figures by just putting together a dinner and asking some well-off families for it. Right. And so, and then there's obviously a ton of people, which is why I was talking to you about it last week that, you know, don't even have the chance to go to, to pre-K at all. Right. And that's the uh, unfortunate reality of the, the wealth inequality in the country. Michigan still doesn't have drinkable water. Right. Insane. Tale of two worlds, right? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I mean, that's just the, the state of the uh, country. I mean, you can point to all the reasons and we have and, and, and talk about Fed policy, uh, et cetera, people that own stocks and, and don't education. I mean, all sorts of stuff. But I mean, that's just it was very black and white. This is, I guess, what I'm saying just uh, in real time. Agreed. You mentioned mask and COVID. And so <laughs> let's get into the CDC, right? Um the CDC has announced, and I know, again, I joked about not hugging my wife for a year, but now I can, um, that if you are fully vaccinated, you are now allowed to walk around without a mask on. And even if you choose to go indoors, if you're fully vaccinated, you are now allowed to go in there without a mask on. And so I thought Chelsea Handler had a funny take on the CDC's um, <laughs> guidance, let's call it. She said, the CDC could have at least eased us into no mask. Now, every time I see someone's full face, it's like seeing a dick pic. <laughs> <laughs> and I it's think, funny. I think it speaks to what a weird year it's been. Um but I'd love to hear your thoughts on, on the CDC's guidance. Um, I have mine. I'll share them with you after after you share yours. But yeah, I, I, I'm amused, if anything. 
Well, it's super weird, right? Because like you said, it's been a weird year. We've all been paranoid. We started washing our hands 10 times a day, remember? And everybody had signs up telling us how to wash our hands again. And we didn't touch anybody. And if we touched the person's hand, handed us our coffee, we got all weird about it. Like, right, it's all weird, right? And so you didn't hug your wife for a year and all this and that. Um, and so it's totally weird. But Barely looked um, at her, Nick. <laughs> I didn't want to catch it through my eyes. The science has become readily apparent, right? We've had fun with the double masks and, uh, um, you know, the nylon masks and the, the see-through masks and the, the visors. Remember the visors that weren't masks at all, where you could just wear, like, the visor over your thing? Um, and so, anyway, it's just been a shit show on the science side. Oh, my God. And the God. science has been out for a while. So, the CDC guidance, to be clear, is behind. Like, And they, they admitted that. They said... You know, the science has been clear for a while. We'll be, we're behind on getting this out, but it's now safe for um, vaccinated individuals to, to be on masks in, in, in most any situation. Right. And so um, it, it, you're absolutely right in that. It, it's funny to, to see people's uh, without a mask because and, and then funny to see who's who's still wearing a mask because it like school drop off, for example, like. Um, some of the parents are still wearing masks and some of the parents like aren't wearing masks and um you know, I've got no dog in the political fight, and it seems like people are almost doing it uh, among political lines. Like uh, the fight about masks has been stupidly divided uh, all along, and then you've got some people <sighs> just like totally virtue signaling, and totally continue, like continue wearing them. Like even here in Washington, where the governor Inslee has been all about the masks all along. Like yesterday, he gave a speech and. Um, like physically took off his mask during the speech, right? Like showing you like it's time to take off your fucking mask, right? And um, and then you got businesses like immediately like putting on social media like um, we're not doing it until COVID is stomped out behind us. Like we're keeping our mask policy in place. And it's like, why, man? Like we anyway, um, you know, vaxxed and waxed, right? If, at this point, you know. <laughs> I'm, I'm vaxxed and you know, I don't want to wear my mask. And so did you say people funny, like giving you the deer and head, like dick pic look. Like I went to the restroom earlier and there was a guy in there masked up. He looked at me like, like he wanted to jump across the, 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 the entire room. Oh God. It's, um, it's been an interesting 2021 folks. It's a, it's, it's interesting times. It's it's not that serious, guys. I mean, look, guys and gals, I don't want to exclude anybody and get canceled, but it's just not that serious. If you're vaccinated, great. If you choose not to get vaccinated, great. I am just happy, thankful, and grateful, Nick, that we are at the point in this country where we can walk into CVS or my favorite grocery store, HEB, here in Texas, and walk in and get a vaccine if I feel like it. And as long as I know that, I personally am very comfortable because I'm fully vaccinated, not wearing a mask. And if I had chosen not to get my vaccine, but had the option to, guess what? It's a personal risk I should be willing to take, or I should be allowed to take if I am willing to take it. And so, again, not that serious. It's funny to me the stupid shit that we allow, not you and I, but the citizenry allows to, to divide us and you know on this one look if you want protection go get your vaccine if you don't think you need it don't get your vaccine people want to wear their masks just, 
so dumb. Like, sorry to cut you off, but you talked no. about that. You, yep. You're going to nuzzle your wife. I saw Kamala Harris like kiss. I know that's probably what you're thinking about. Kiss I her husband with the mask I on the other it up. day. <laughs> I was setting it up. <laughs> that's hilarious. Um, so that, so that come on. So that brings me to cancel culture. You talked about virtual signaling, right? And 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 you know, just bring just having a cause for having a cause's sake and not even really having a cause just you just want to seem virtuous and there's a lot of that that goes on everywhere on both sides i've seen a lot of you anti-vaxxers out there too giving people shit for wearing a mask when it was still a pandemic and 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 again uh what i i never cared like i could care less if you have your mask on or not um now that we have the vaccine but when we didn't have the vaccine if you had your mask that was your choice. And if you did it, as long as we were outside, I was perfectly okay with that. If you're inside at that time, the pandemic, yeah, wear your goddamn mask, right? Um, but I say all that to say, look, if people want to find things to argue about instead of things to come together about. And it's even uh, it's even struck the Gates home. Bill Gates and Melinda Gates are divorcing after nearly three decades. Did you read about that at all, Nick? Because he wouldn't wear a mask? No, it's actually a little bit, a little bit more serious than that. Um, Melinda Gates says that she started considering a divorce after conversations with Bill Gates about his relationship with Jeffrey Epstein. She says that the relationship between Bill Gates and Jeffrey Epstein um, were concerning to her. It's interesting to me because this is a very public divorce of some very wealthy people. And it's the wealthiest, the wealthiest, right? And it doesn't seem messy other than this part of it. And it's also interesting to me that because Melinda Gates is brilliant. Anybody that knows, you know, some of the philanthropical work that she's done, um, some of the work with, uh, with, with malaria, just a number of causes. She's a very, very, very intelligent woman. For her to make sure that that's out in the public domain before this is resolved is interesting to me. And, and you know, Epstein is gone, but I am watching this. I am watching to see... What does or doesn't come out? I just found it interesting. I don't know. I, I, I get a weird kind of like, uh, you know, spidey senses are tingling on this one, like I do with some other things that, that no doubt. come true. No, my spidey senses were tingling on this one. I mean, you know, I'm dialed, not dialed in, but, you know, the Epstein thing is, is one that I follow and has obviously been yeah. super curious and that we've talked about a lot on this podcast and, um, well, the whole kid thing is just, you know, a, a, a thing for me, whether it's the Catholic Church yep. or Epstein or yep. or Gates, who you could also talk about this week, right? His buddy just got hit up on some charges and is going to cooperate. So you're plugged into that and you can talk about it. But uh, And that's no, G-A-E-T-Z, the Gates he's referring to, by the way, guys. <laughs> before, oh, yeah, sorry. Yeah, before somebody says, what? Bill Gates' money got caught up, fucking kids. <laughs> no, 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 no. The whole thing, but it's Matt the whole Gates. kids thing I don't understand. And yeah, and Epstein was underage kids, and Matt Getz or Gates or whatever is is underage kids as well. And so, um, no, I totally noticed that she said that in her uh, interview, and you had to wonder, you know, what the reasoning was, right? Because 
it wasn't that long ago I was talking on this podcast about the Bill Gates documentary on Netflix mm, and, yeah. and she was uh, played a large role in that documentary and that would have been filmed um, concurrent with or after um, the the revelations of, of uh, Gates and Epstein, right? And so everything sort of seemed hunky-dory between the two of them uh, in that documentary. And so, um, no, clearly we want uh, more information. Clearly um, there was a, a record of, of involvement there. What has Bill Gates said? His, his quote on it is always pretty um, terse. It's like... Um, I regret having uh, any involvement with with Epstein or something like that. And so uh, everyone is hungry for more details. And I don't think you're the only one who who noticed her putting it out there. Interesting. Interesting. Uh, We should we should watch that. Uh, Speaking about the other Gats or Gates, Matt, uh, Gates Gate. Uh, Again, that was another one that we said in the beginning. Um, It's interesting to me that. He chose to put out there that, hey, you know, if, if he's being accused of being a sugar daddy and generous with the ladies, then, yeah, he may be guilty of that, but certainly not anything else. Right. And then I said, well, your buddy just got indicted and I suspect he's probably going to roll on you and you're trying to front run it. And sure enough, he's pleading guilty to six counts of trafficking, sex trafficking of a minor. And I don't think it's going to end well for Matt Gates, Gats, Gates. Mm, I don't think so either. This one today was sort of like, oh, no, bueno. Um, leave the kids alone and don't rape people. It doesn't seem that fucking hard, right? It's not hard. It's not hard and should have serious consequences. Um, let's talk about cancel culture. Lighten it up a little bit. Did you read about Medina Spirit being canceled according to Medina Spirit's owner? I don't even know what a Medina Spirit is. I love it. I love it. So Medina Spirit is the Kentucky Derby winner. A Medina Spirit is a horse and was canceled according to its owner. And I, I only highlight this because this word is thrown around so easily. Like anytime something goes wrong for someone, they're like, oh, that's just cancel culture trying to cancel me. So the owner went on Fox News and said, I am my horse and I are being canceled. It's a cancel culture kind of a thing. But then it turns out that he wasn't being canceled. Your horse, Medina Spirit, failed a drug test over the weekend. (laughs) And so you can't go out and tell people you're being canceled when your horse is doping. And of course, the horse didn't go get the dope. You put it there, the trainer put it there. Either way, you're the owner, you reap the benefits and the rewards. Guess what? You take the accountability and the issues that come with um, testing positive for banned substances. And again, um, that's not being canceled. Uh, you know who is being canceled? Miss Cheney. And that's a very interesting story. And I wonder on the horse, just one second, I have to go because I didn't pay any attention. I didn't even realize it was the Kentucky Derby. That's how unplugged I am. But um, I was reading an article about some new drug they weren't allowed to use this year that they were previously allowed to use. And it made the horses like 
pee something like five to 10 gallons or something ridiculous like before the race. So they would lighten themselves by uh, getting rid of all that liquid. And they anyway, um, this is kind of off topic, but they weren't allowed to do that this year, but they were allowed to do that in previous years. And I wonder if that's what it was. Anyway, it's yeah. just, I have to look into it. Interesting. Do we want to talk about Liz? We do want to talk about Liz. <laughs> yeah, I think so. Because yeah, sure. Yeah. She had because I don't. I, I'll, I'll form my thoughts in real time, and it'll be interesting. Let, let's do it. So, for those not familiar, um, Liz Cheney is the wife of 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 of, of Dick, right? <laughs> and, and so, she was the most powerful Republican for a time, and basically is getting kicked out for not kissing the ring. She has been ousted from the Republican Party. Her leadership um, has been has been stripped. Uh, stripped. Uh, gone. It's not there anymore. And she's now a traitor, according to many of her very influential Republican colleagues. And so I'll tell you my brief thoughts and then I'll, I'll, I'll ask you for yours, Nick. I thought it was interesting that um, she said the biggest problem isn't President Trump. It's Fox News. And she said, here's the quote, we all have an obligation. She said this to Brett Baer over, over at Fox, said, we all have an obligation. And I would say Fox News, especially, especially Fox News, has a particular obligation to make sure people know that the election wasn't stolen. And she followed that by saying Fox News needs to make sure that the American people, that the American people recognize and understand that the election wasn't stolen, that we shouldn't perpetuate the big lie and that there is real danger. She goes, I've worked in countries around the world where we don't have peaceful transitions of power. And all of us who are elected officials have got to make sure that we obey and abide by the oath that we swore to the constitution. Now, if you know anything about, you know, um, <laughs> the Cheney's history and the abuses and the violations of the constitution, both at home and overseas, the statement is laughable, right? Um, talk about virtual virtue signaling and righteousness. But I agree with the statement. I mean, I, I agree with the statement that, you know, there is a responsibility by everybody, not just her or Republicans or Democrats, to speak honestly, especially on something as sensitive as an election, a presidential election, a presidential election that was extremely polarizing and continues to be. Um, those are my thoughts, but it, it, it was interesting to me again that she went on Fox to have this conversation and 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 put a big part of the responsibility there when it was, you know, that that, that, that Fox Act was was largely responsible for George Bush Jr.'s uh, presidency and the way that 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 continued and and also obviously responsible for a large part of President Trump's success in getting to where he got. There's obviously a large mis and disinformation campaign out there about a lot of things we were just talking about like the vaccine and masks for example and i saw a report this week that said uh much of the misinformation that you see about the coronavirus vaccine has been traced and attributed to 12 individuals 12 yeah. tucker carlson is one of them the, the guy that one, rushed to get the vaccine and then told everybody it's so dangerous so many people are dying so uh, sorry <laughs> No, no, no. Yeah, no. Small amounts of people, when amplified, and if have a soapbox like Fox News, 
um, can cause millions and millions and tens of millions of people to to believe all sorts of things, maybe even to the point where they'll read the Capitol. And so, no way, (laughs) not in America. It's clearly dangerous. And look, yeah, no fan of the Cheney's. Uh, I say Cheney because I live in Cheney. And so let's talk about that for a second. The town I live in is called Cheney, C-H-E-N-E-Y. And we say they say Cheney here. When I first moved here, I thought I was moving to Cheney, right? Because I only do Dick Cheney. <laughs> I thought I was moving to Cheney. But anyway, yeah, yeah. I live in Cheney. It's spelled the same. <laughs> so no fan of the Cheney's. Um, definitely not a fan of Dick. And... Um, was glad to see Liz stand up. You know, there's a country song that says you got to stand for something or you'll fall for anything. And, uh, you know, Cheney's history aside, she's right on this matter. And you've seen uh, now some turmoil inside of the Republican Party. And we've talked about this on the podcast as well, where you've got some uh, like the Matt Gates and the uh, Marjorie Taylor Greens. And I don't even know what's going on in Congress right now. It seems like a shit show, but um who are like loyal to Trump uh, and then some talking about, you know, how we have to to, to move on. And so um, even Lindsey Graham saying uh, the other day, like he doesn't see a path forward f- without Trump. And he's always been uh, sort of the wet rag um, or, or limp wrist right blowing in the in the in the wind. And so. Um, anyway, no, I think she's right on the issue. And uh, I saw the notes you had on there about being canceled. I mean, they're essentially canceling her, right, for for not good going along and, and, and towing the, the line that the election was stolen. Yeah, yes. And to clarify, I think I said she was the wife. She is the eldest daughter. By the way, let me, oh, let yeah, me yeah, yeah, yeah. Let me let me correct that because uh, yeah, they they they, w- they would have had a harder time with Mrs. Cheney. Um, <laughs> I don't think she would have gone for that shit. But anyhow, yeah, no. Look again, it's um, it's all a circus. Everybody, people say whatever is convenient. Tucker Carlson says whatever you know riles up his base to not quit watching him. Um, it, it, it's good for you. It's not good for him. The Republican Party, it's good for for them. You know, we don't like cancel culture except when it's time to to, to cancel someone. This is a, a true cancellation. She is out of there. Um, the Democrats do the same thing, right? It's 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 find a thought, research it, develop an informed opinion. Don't kill each other over it. Don't storm the Capitol. Don't complain when you get indicted. Don't ask for organic food. Don't cry. Don't, don't say your president was supposed to pardon you and he invited you there. Take some fucking accountability for your life, people. <laughs> That's all I got to say about that. That's it. Um, Instagram for kids. We talked about kids earlier and the the, the like the need to protect them. Um, they are proposing an Instagram for kids. And I am dead set against Instagram for kids. I'm talking kids, you know, 12, 13 and younger. I can tell you personally here, I have, you know, soon to be 13 year old and, and he's a gaming whiz. He's very good. And we haven't allowed him to have a YouTube account with comments enabled because people are assholes, especially anonymously. Right. Um, and, and so we just didn't think emotionally that was the best thing for him. And so as he gets older, obviously that's something that will be more receptive too. but when I look at what social media has done, and again, I'm, I'm, I'm biased. I, I got rid of everything back in 2013 
um, with the exception of a LinkedIn, which is a business account, and a, a Twitter page, which is a business account. I, I don't, I haven't done social media for, God, coming up on nine years. And so I am not for Instagram for kids. I don't trust the media companies to not exploit my kid with an Instagram for kids. Your thoughts on that, Nick? You have three beautiful children of your own, all young. Is Instagram for kids something that you would allow your nine-year-old or eight-year-old or encourage your eight or nine-year-old, for example, to, to, to partake in or 10-year-old or 11-year-old? I'm not sure Instagram for adults is healthy. Yep. That was my next um, comment. <laughs> and so I, I haven't been on the Facebook either for uh, a while. And I, I I did do the Instagram, though, not in the past four or five months. I take to it just to view it and not, and not to post. And I do think there's some uh, detractors to it in the way it uh, fosters a, a false sense of reality and, and competition uh, among friends and family. And so uh, that's one thing. Uh, another thing is that, you know, there's already kids on Instagram. And so I see them all the time. Yep. Kids, kids of my friends and, and things like that already uh, have accounts. And so uh, separating it out um, is just sort of semantics, um, just drawing a line in it. And um, kids are mean. So uh, not having the adults there and having it just for kids uh, could create a, 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 a chamber without supervision for, you know, bullying, et cetera. And um, no, I don't think it's a, it's a, it's a good idea. And my kids are, the oldest one is five. So all they do is like um, YouTube kids, like the ABC mouse app. And then, um, they have like another educational uh, program that they do like games and activities. So uh, I try to keep them on like the games and activities apps, which is not on the internet. And then they do go on the YouTube kids. And um, even that is, is, is hard to police. Right. And so sometimes I see uh, all kinds of weird videos popping up, nothing like dangerous or nefarious, just sort of like weird. Like um, I'm sure parents that are listening know what I'm talking about yeah. but you know like they don't need to be watching adults unwrapping presents and stuff like that they're just like there's like a couple families that film themselves 24 7 and it's just like you're watching them do their family it's like wait we got a family right here like doing the same shit like what are you doing hey, <laughs> only fans for families yeah, that's crazy <laughs> look how amazing we are <laughs> all day and night <laughs> There's better things to do with your time, people. No doubt. Better things to do with your time. Um, man, we're going on almost an hour. We haven't got to um, the over 120 ill U.S. personnel. Um, I'm going to save that for next week. That's an interesting story to me that deserves, I think, a bit more detail and attention than just a wrap up here at the end of a podcast. What are you watching in the markets this week, Nick? I I, I finally <laughs> say it. Cannabis. You're watching cannabis. Tell me about it. Well, we were in a stock that got bought out on, on Monday for twice what we paid for it just a couple of months ago. So that's pretty good. And that's good work. As I've been saying, there's there's not a lot of quality U.S. cannabis names. It's sort of like uranium, right? And so uh, now that this uh, cannabis 2.0 is on. Um, companies need to consolidate to get U.S. market share. And there's only a couple companies that uh, have that in multiple states. And so I think you're going to see uh, consolidation and uh, higher stock prices on the on the back of that. And so uh, watching cannabis because uh, the charts 
have been saying that that it's a buy, and now you you see a kickoff of some MA here, and so I think uh, it's just a sector to to be looking at. You mentioned uranium there. Um, do you think there's some M and A to come in the uranium space? We haven't seen we, M and A a little we've bit. Seen, yeah, we've seen yeah we've seen deals, and so um, I. We'll, we'll see. Mm. I'm not going to call for M&A yet because I want a higher price, right? Right, right. I, I'm not sure. W- other than getting properties to add to a portfolio, um, I guess you got to separate it out. Sorry for the long answer at, at 60 minutes, but um, you got to separate it out as far as the how advanced the assets are, right? I don't think you're going to see M&A for production's sake because the price isn't there. Uh, for production yet. But I think what you will see is uh, companies trying to get uh, properties to explore. And on the other side of that, companies, you know, JVing out properties or, or, or shedding properties that they can't pay attention to in their portfolios to other outfits who can uh, bring some budget their way. Agreed. Agreed. On the cannabis side, pivoting back, is there anything cannabis related? And you know where I'm going with this that you have your eye on. I am finally diversify and everyone knows I'm, I'm, I'm your sector agnostic. You go where the money is. I tend to be very heavily resource weighted in my personal investment portfolio. And when I say very heavily resource weighted, I mean outside of real estate and physical precious metals, um, there isn't anything there, right? I've, I've dabbled a couple of times. I dabbled recently in a company that's handed me my ass in short order. So, you know, I'm, I'm still in it, but that, that hasn't left a pleasant experience or a pleasant taste in my mouth. Um, which is funny because it's, it's a company that's all about organic foods and plant-based everything. And I, I still think it'll do well, but anyhow, um, I, I, I'm writing a check for the first time for a deal that you brought to my attention, Nick, and I'm excited about it. Is, is is that a sector that you think, because it's cannabis related, um, will benefit as well from, from you know, cannabis 2.0, as you called it? Yeah, I think you're talking about mushrooms. And, you know, I think there's uh, still room in the, in the cannabis space for sure. And then I think cannabis paved the way for uh, mushrooms, both on the uh, medical front and on the, the recreational front. And so... That deal should be uh, closing shortly. I think the exchange just needs to know how many shares were issued on the private side so it can uh, close the acquisition. And then uh, we'll see how it does once it's uh, once it's listed. But I think the psychedelic space is going to be uh, really exciting. Agreed. Agreed. I hope so. I, I hope that one in particular, obviously. Right. Um, Nick, that's all I got. Anything else? No, that's it. That was a a good long one and we covered a bunch of stuff. So let's wrap it up. Have a great week, everybody. I am Gerardo Del Real, along with my co-host, the world famous chartist, intelligent, witty, Mr. Nick Hodge. This was therapy session known as Bizarro World number 117. 117, everybody. Say goodbye to everyone, Nick. See ya.